0: Hello all and welcome to the Fantasy and Sci-Fi Fanatics podcast. I'm your host Daniel Kuwong. Today I have to a very special guest, Ann Saylin. Ann, how are you doing today? I am doing well, thank you. Excellent, excellent. Well, I was so happy to, uh, to be able to connect with you on Twitter. As soon as I saw your book, I was like, added it to Goodreads, had to do the follow. I think I sent you the you know, Twitter message about doing an interview probably like thirty seconds after I had gotten <laughs> off of Goodreads. Uh, it was definitely my kind of novel, so really excited to you know uh, ask you questions today and how you came up with such great ideas. So, all right, so we'll do that first question there. What has your writing journey been like up until this point? Um, it's
1: it's a bit f- funny. So, I've been writing since. I could hold a pen, which is oh, wow. probably what a lot of people also so experienced. Um, but I didn't start writing uh, seriously until university. Mm. And at that point, I uh, started sending out query letters to agents, started seriously thinking about publishing. And I got an agent just as I left university. Uh, we did some edits, it, things didn't work out mm. and I was, gutted because I felt like I'd been back at the bottom of a mountain that I was climbing. Yeah. And then a few years later, I got that, I got myself out of that hole and I started writing that book again and I sent it out again. And this time I got an agent and that agent loved it and we sent it to publishers and we got a publisher on board and then COVID happened. Oh, okay. So it's always been a bit of um, a circuitous journey where it feels like you're inching up a mountain, but then rocks fall and everybody dies and you're back at the bottom. Um, But yes, eventually we've we've got to the point where the book has come out. It came out on May the 5th. Mm. Um, But I think there's a lesson there that, writing is never a smooth journey it's always full of rocks and alligators that want to bite your leg off
0: (laughs) definitely true definitely true (laughs) it's um i had scott drakeford drakeford on at the end of season one and he said the same thing i mean he um published through tour and it was like two and i think almost two and a half years because of covid you know from start to finish and that's not well you know in terms of you know publishing the book so yeah definitely uh It's interesting with COVID, it seems like you always have something that happens. Right. But of course, COVID had to just enhance those problems for everybody. So but, you know, congratulations to you, you know, for getting it out there despite COVID. I I think it's awesome to see authors like yourself who, you know, just refuse to back down or like I'm getting this book out. So that's really cool
1: it's definitely a marathon not a sprint
0: <laughs> I think that's one of the best ways I've heard to put it honestly <laughs> I actually was just on TikTok and um one of the authors that I follow she said the same thing like she mm. had book four come out and she was just like she's like oh, I had a couple of um ed- you know edits that didn't make it for some reason and you know a couple of misspellings and she was like and then this and that happened and she said the same thing so I definitely <laughs> agree with you <laughs> Uh, for that second question there, so what genre do you currently write in and how did you decide on this genre?
1: So I write, well, at the moment I write exclusively fantasy um, and at the moment I'm writing Asian fantasy because uh, I I think the genre chose me more than I chose the oh, genre. Okay. Uh, because when I was little, I read, Almost exclusively fantasy, and that's what been stuck on me ever since. And I can't really imagine myself writing something that isn't fantasy. Mm. Um, maybe I will broaden out in the genre, like I will write contemporary fantasy or I'll write epic fantasy, but I think I'm always going to stay in fantasy.
0: That's fair. I, I don't blame you there. <laughs> I have a couple of sci- science fiction things I like to do, uh, you know urban fantasy but fantasy just in general my friend he's like you have too many fantasy authors on your podcast (laughs) I was like well I was like those are the circles I travel in you know on Twitter and stuff so I'm trying to get more you know science fiction and you know historical fiction or things like that but what 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 so what exactly got you into fantasy like I know for myself there were a couple particular books Forgotten Realms in particular opened my you know mind to so many different authors that were amazing uh you know like so what was it exactly about fantasy that you know drew you in?
1: um i think that being sh- the shy nerd that i was as a child i just wanted to escape to somewhere else and fantasy was that you know mm-hmm. gateway drug into going somewhere that is not mm-hmm. here yeah um, but yeah I-, I read um like the epic f- epic fantasies like robin robin hobb and you oh, know, tolkien yeah. of course uh and then I sort of try to broaden that scope with fantasy authors from different places and different uh time periods but yeah it's, it's there's such variety in fantasy that like you can have 10 different fantasy authors and they can be writing completely different things yeah. and that's what i really love about the genre
0: yeah no i totally agree i you know i think that my friend just asked me today he's like why do you write only fantasy or sci-fi i'm like it just I said, I, I'm a teacher. I said, you know, we deal with so many real world issues, you know, particularly after, you know, the last couple of weeks, um, you know, it just seems like after COVID, it just seems like things keep, speaking of mountain, it seems like it's been a, a marathon and a sprint the last, you know, 2 years. And I'm like, I don't want to come home and write stories about things I deal with on a daily basis. You know, mm, yeah. if I do, I want them to be where they can be solved with some sort of fantastical element. I don't know. Just. It makes it more fun, you know. I like how you said that. It's a a good escape, right? Fantasy, I think, is the best escape.
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely.
0: That's awesome. Um, So for that third one there, so I'm really excited about this question. So what is your book, Rebel Skies, about, and how did you come up with this idea?
1: Ooh, okay. Um, So Rebel Skies is a um, teen fantasy novel. It's set in a fantastical version of the Meiji era of Japan. Um, And for readers or listeners who aren't familiar with Japanese history, it's kind of like the Industrial Revolution-ish. So there's but a fantastical version, so with sky cities and airships and things like that. Uh, And it follows the adventures of this girl who is a waitstaff aboard... A floating banquet hall. Oh, cool. And one day her best friend is injured, and in when he's injured, she learns some things about herself and her friend, which triggers this epic journey which on which she has to go to try and save him. Uh, and a part of that story is that there are people in this world who have origami magic, which we may get to later. Um, that can use paper and to uh, uh do various things with paper uh, and so she also starts studying that and learning how to control paper as she goes on this quest to save her friend
0: oh that's awesome <laughs> as soon as I saw that on your goodreads I think you had had a post about it I, that's when I was sold I was like okay I gotta have her on the podcast and it <laughs> that, that sounds so interesting to me I we were just talking about this the other day um, with one of my friends, I think it's Mark Timoney are discussing this and, you know, like my friend, um, I sent them, you know, one of my chapters and he was like, my best friend's like, he's like, you really don't like that contemporary stuff, do you? I said, no, I like to read it. But I said, you know, like, like your idea, you know, being on an airship and a waste. I mean, that just, that's a totally different angle, you know, I, and origami magic, you know, it's like, my friend he's like, well, it's the same old, same old in fantasy. I said, you clearly haven't been reading fantasy within the last five years. Cause I said, you know, there are so many people like yourself that, you know, really are expanding the genre into, you know, something new, I would say, you know, and it's, it's interesting, like you you know, you already said, you know, where people are starting to divide fantasy even more. So mm-hmm. in the future, we had a debate a while back um, on Twitter where some friends and I were, we were like, oh, are we going to have, you know, contemporary fantasy as being its own section you know and then you know kind of like the amazon style within bookstores because you know it's just it's, it's interesting i was talking about historical urban fantasy is something i would like to write you know versus just regular you know urban fantasy and yeah so it's that's a really cool idea
1: it's <laughs> yeah. Yeah, awesome yeah there's
0: so much variety it's yeah it's
1: really yeah. different
0: yeah. well i just feel like you know I think the last five years with traditional and I think the traditional market has listened to the indie market. Yeah. um, You know, with ideas like yours where it's like, it's not, I I personally don't write, like I have my own fantasy world, things that rain, but like, it's really big, but like, I, I guess I have like kind of a Viking culture, but I don't really have like a, you know, like a English or Scottish type of, you know, medieval you know, European setting, I feel like everything's pretty much, you know, um, like I have a lot of Asian fantasy, um, which I love because I, I love Asian history. I'm a history teacher. And it's my favorite time period is Tokugawa. Uh, Samurai were absolutely amazing. And I just love the the times were changing and you get all these different, you know, situations in there and interesting things that happen to people. But, you know, I just think that it's cool for me because I, I like new ideas, uh, particularly in fantasy. So with your book, I was like, yep, got to get that right now so <laughs> I did not wait very long for the title. so it was uh it's probably on there within five minutes so yeah definitely definitely my kind of story so that's really really cool uh so for that fourth one uh so I was just curious do you have a title or outline or anything yet for book two or are you still uh you know still in the works with that one or uh it's
1: it's funny that you should ask because uh I've written book two it's oh, with wow. my editor now oh, that's
0: exciting um
1: we, we're arguing about titles because <laughs> um she has said rebel storms and i think oh that's a bit too star warsy and um so the title is still a work in progress but the book itself has been written already
0: no oh, that's awesome i feel like the title is the hardest part sometimes like i just usually slap something on there until it's done and figure the rest will come later but <laughs> I just looked at a couple on my website I was like I'll, I like works in progress I was like those are probably all going to change but I do like your first title though that one that one that really drew me in so I, I definitely agree with you that you know titles are you know important for advertising and you know that one that one really hit me and I loved your cover too by the way the cover I felt like the of everything worked really well together so
1: yeah it's pretty gorgeous cool I I have it with me. Oh, time.
0: yeah. <laughs> I actually just sent it to a couple of friends of mine because um, I had a friend of mine and she seemed to want a similar style to yours. Uh, so I sent it to her. I said, well, you know, I'm having Ann on, you know, this week. I said, I really think you should check this out. Um, and she, she fell in love with the cover as well. She was like, oh, that just fits. She's like this style. So she actually took it to uh, her, you know, her artists and they're trying to come up with something similar to fit so yeah so just oh, so you know awesome. <laughs> yeah I was like that's really cool so I was, she's like make sure you tell her I said I'll tell her so yeah so that was really awesome but yeah that's a cool cover I, I was very jealous when I saw that and <laughs> then I read the blurb I was like oh this sounds really cool so yeah that's awesome Um, so for the fifth question there so what are some things that you found different with writing book two versus book one this is always an interesting one for me because I know a lot of people have different experiences with some people it's harder some people it's easier what were your general experiences with writing book two versus book
1: one book two is in a bit of a funny place because a lot of the setup has already been done Mm -hmm. um but you also have to sort of build upon everything that is in book one so i found it a lot more fun because i don't have to spent so much time doing world building and yeah. uh, putting the building blocks together. Um, but also at the same time, there were characters that completely infuriated me. <laughs> because, <laughs> so, um, because I thought I might have written myself into a few holes and then there was the challenge of how do I get myself out of some of these holes. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was an up and down experience.
0: Yeah. So I just was curious. So a lot of people have said this, it's just nice that we've had a lot of people that have written book two and three recently. Um, So the world building, everybody seems to think, you know, or say that the world building was easier. Um, Would you say that it was harder to deepen your characterization for the characters that you already had from book one? Or do you think that that was maybe for you was a little bit easier? Like you kind of knew where they were going or was that maybe something that was a little bit more challenging?
1: I, I think that it was actually easier for me to do the characterization in book two and deepen it because there are less things distracting from the characters. Um, in book one, there's you have to set up the journey, you have to set up the world, um, and then there's all these things that are sort of vying for your attention, but in book two, you've already got the journey, you've got the world more or less, and you can build upon that, and um, but there's less things sort of vying for your character's attention. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. Now, did you, when you uh, wrote book one, did you have any ideas already where you were going with book two or were you kind of like done with book one or like, okay, now I can piece it together. Like some people have done that. I've uh, interviewed recently. Some other people have had like all five outlined. Like how, how did you go about, it? I'm just curious because I'm, trying to figure out after my book one like i'm like i have no idea like i i kind of have an idea but not really not really i'm just kind of a pantser so i'm trying to outline better i guess and figure out (laughs) the trilogy ahead of time not not you know write myself into so many corners i guess but what do you think about that process
1: i think um yeah i think the pantser versus the planner thing is very uh is a very good description of how people are or as some people like to say are you a gardener or are you an architect yeah yeah um but I'm definitely more on the architect side in that I like to have the whole thing planned and plotted out before I start so I have is going to be a trilogy and I already have three outlines Mm -hmm. done so I know where the story is going more or less okay Um, The problem is that when you actually start writing it, you start to uh, find all these holes or these blocks that don't quite fit. So there is still some tweaking. And there's sometimes some things that I write that surprise me, even though I already kind of know the general direction that the book is going to take.
0: Okay. So before book one, then you had all three outlined then?
1: Yeah, I, I did. Um, it was in fact my agent before signing me. She said, "I want to see your outlines." So I had to quickly scramble and put together something.
0: <laughs> That's funny. So, um, so you're actually the perfect person to to, to ask about this then, because I was thinking about this a couple weeks ago. So, would you say that once you outlines, at least book one and two, but maybe three in there too? Um, Did you find that once you finished book one, you had to change quite a bit for that second outline or did you maybe stick to them better than you thought?
1: Um, Yes, it definitely had a lot of changing, um, because especially when you're going traditional publishing, there's a lot of hands in that part as well. So I had my three outlines, which I gave to my agent. And then when we got a publisher, uh, my publisher was like, hmm, this character should go and so that character also had to be yanked out of the outlines for book two and book three and mm. so yes it was a bit of a, a process
0: because i i've just i talked to a couple of people about this so i'm glad you mentioned it so like we were discussing you know like would it be worth doing that for you know for three books if you're just gonna have to go back because i know like right now like i i know my next for draft two i know my next three chapters you know what needs to be fixed, but after that, it's like I have to re outline the whole book. Yeah. Um, and I know that when i started outline two, I was like, Oh, well, almost all of that had to be scrapped. So, uh, so part of me was like, I just need to learn how to become more of an architect, I guess. And I'm not even that much of a gardener, so I don't know why I thought I could garden, you know. But <laughs> yeah, that's that's very interesting, though. No, I, I find those questions more interesting than some of the other ones because. For me that just gives reassurance that you know you can you know at least give some sort of you know planned outline for a trilogy and you know just go back and you know fix things along the way but yeah that's that's really interesting i like that i'm gonna have to try that in the future because i've <laughs> written myself into too many holes recently and can't seem to get myself out of them <laughs> uh, So. <laughs> when it comes to characterization so what do you feel is the most important in making your characters feel real and relatable
1: um, i think that well, this sounds counterintuitive but um it's always to have them have some things that don't quite make sense about them because people in real life aren't always these yeah logical beings yeah. um so i think that it's That's always true. good yeah, to have things that are very instinctive to them that kind of don't quite make sense. You can see where they're coming from, but um it's a bit to have some of these contradictions inside them. Um I also think that it's good to have both an external and an internal kind of conflict. Mm. So uh, for example, my main character is called Karara. Uh her external conflict is that she has to go on this quest to save her best friend but internally uh, she has this conflict in that she's been brought up as a waitstaff and she's sort of been trained to be very quiet and demure and to you know not speak her mind but she's also got this inner fire in her where she wants to sort of say things um, and then that kind of conflict of Oh, if should I say this, should I not say this uh, is what gives her that kind of interesting passion?
0: I think you make a great point there i I do like the internal and external conflicts because if you just have a if you just have one right without the other, it ends up being a pretty flat character. you know i I think that well, you mentioned Robin Hobb, you know, so you you know you take Fritz, well, you know when doesn't he have both an internal and external <laughs> conflict right? I mean you know and I think even you know um Bilbo and Frodo too, you know like frodo's not sure didn't really want to go on the journey, you know and yeah I, I think any great book that I you know have thought you know thought of over the years is like oh I really that made me want to write, I think has had a great you know internal and external conflict going on at the same time because I feel like you know you're right, you know like uh, it's very it's a very human thing right to to have and it's funny that you mentioned like I feel like (laughs) very contradictory because like the other day like uh yesterday I had some students come up to me with a paper and they're like don't get mad and I'm like what do you mean get mad like and it was like a teacher roast so they were making fun of me and I laughed so hard (laughs) and I was like you thought I'd be mad at this they're like well some people would be I said well you clearly don't know me very well I said I I, I, I laugh at a lot of things. I said myself is the the one I probably laugh at the most. Um, I'm hoping it helps me with reviews, you know, because I just kind of like, yeah, whatever. Um, I feel like I take criticism critiques far better uh, now than I used to. But yeah, it was really funny. But I asked, I was like, why, why would you think I'd be mad at this? You're like, well, you're just always, you know, making sure that we're treating each other nicely and you know, and well and stuff. And I, and being respectful, I said, well, that's different than telling a joke, you know? Like, so it was, it was just funny that it, it happened yesterday to me. So I started asking myself, I was like, am I that contradictory? <laughs> and then my friend, he's like, I think we all are at a certain point. So we actually had yeah. a discussion about that. But it's, it, I feel like it's popped up online a lot too, <laughs> where I'm like, you said this, but you're, you know, you also said this. So I, I definitely agree with you. Uh, you know, I think that's, probably our you know our biggest fault as humans is that we're so Mm -hmm. contradictory so I I like that I never actually thought about that in terms of you know characterization so that's that's actually a really good piece of advice right there that's awesome your character sounds great by the way I like somebody (laughs) that you know is trying to because I feel like everybody can relate to that you know that this is how you're brought up but this is how you want to be you know, that's a very, I feel like that's a very common theme that, you know, particularly with young adult, you know, that, you know, in teenagers that they'll be able to relate to that.
1: Yeah, it's especially, um, it's one of the reasons why I also wanted to write Asian fantasy is that when I was young, all the fe- strong female characters were always far cooler than I was, and <laughs> um, they always spoke their minds, and, you know, they were out there kicking ass and taking names, but uh it was always this kind of western view of strength and so i want to bring in a more eastern centric idea of what strength is
0: yeah yeah i like that you know i was just discussing that with some kids the other day um you know like yours is one of the books that i do want a physical copy because i have a huge library in my classroom and you know it, it is very hard to find multicultural let alone just strong female characters but particularly multicultural you Know and like I have a lot of different students. It's we're kind of in a weird geographical area, we're like central New York, and we're kind of on the PA border where I teach, but uh, off of Pennsylvania. But it's weird because it we, it's very multicultural within our community. I don't know if it's because of you know past immigration, you know, I think it's routes and things like that. Um, so you know, different people have settled there, but you know, we have quite a few, a lot of foot traffic coming in from New York City too. Um, you know, which is nice, you know, we get a lot of different cultures, but you know, I was talking to my buddy about it my co-teacher i'm like we really need to get you know i I have specific titles but you know they're few and far between i feel like particularly for you know for young adult um you know particularly for strong female leads so yeah that's that's super super cool but yeah i I just like when people use their experiences you know to uh, to again to further the genre um and I, i feel like you know we were discussing that with the kids and then we took a lot of input from them And it was interesting for the, you know, the girls in particular, they're like, well, we, you know, we want more characters that are like us. And I'm like, well, that's, that's totally, you know, that makes total sense. You know, being a white, you know, middle-aged like male, you know, I, it's so easy for me, particularly, you know, within fantasy to see myself. And I think that, um, you know, like myself for my writing, like, I don't have a lot of white middle-aged males. Like, I just don't, like, you can go anywhere else and find that, you know, and, I, I really like to bring in different cultures because you know, I want my students to, you know, to be able to see themselves in those characters. But I like how you mentioned that for characterization though. So I'm definitely going to have to be thinking about that also for the future. That's really cool. That's great.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. I've been waiting for this for a while. <laughs> uh, ever since I saw your profile on Goodreads. So can you tell me what Origami Magic is and how you came up with this idea?
1: Uh, so Origami Magic... Is basically paper magic, uh, and there are people in the world of Rebel Skies who ha- have the ability to use paper magic. Um, I like to liken it to, if anybody's seen Avatar: The Last Airbender, mm. to water bending or fire bending, but ex- with paper. Um, so, crafters in who are people who can use paper magic uh, can use it to create these huge, fantastic. Uh, paper beasts oh, wow. um, they can harden paper to sort of cut people people's heads off oh, <laughs> Nobody's, awesome. nobody loses their heads but awesome. uh, they could do that um, and yes they can use it in these various ways to fight or to move about and things like that um, and it really comes from this part of Asian folktale and Asian mysticism, which uh, not many people know about. It's um, the use of paper as magic. Mm. So uh, there are these old Asian folk tales of sorcerers who would use paper to seal away demons. Okay. Um, and they also use um, paper in sort of exorcisms. So the idea of paper having power is this, it's quite old, it's quite buried in Asian culture. And so I wanted to take that and bring that to the forefront and share that with a variety of readers.
0: Sorry, I gotta write that down. I'm gonna have to check that out. That is like, the writer and history teacher in me are like going crazy right now. That's super cool. I've never heard of that. So, I mean, I know different you know, folk tales and things like that, you know. Um, Oh, like one of my friends proposed to his wife with um, I can't remember exactly uh, but like a thousand paper cranes um, and tried to you know emu- emulate one of the um, um, gods who proposed to a goddess uh, obviously she said yes because it was awesome and he <laughs> you know
1: was he was really
0: really good at the origami too I'm horrible at origami I don't know if it's my fat thumbs or or what um, but yeah it was really cool and I kind of got into you know certain folktales like that um yeah but that's that's really cool I have I never knew that I'm just looking into that I just I'm looking in my head and when I had read that that you you know had explained that just a little bit more on Goodreads with a post I just thought gosh that's, there's a lot of really cool things you could do with that obviously weapons I was picturing someone like flying around on, um, you know going from like paper crane to paper crane or something like that you know and like <laughs> jumping from spot to spot I was just like Because I feel like you're, it's kind of like a Green Lantern power, you know, like, whatever you're able to think you could do, I feel like whatever you're able to make, you know, you can, you know, use that in terms of your magic. I feel like that's a, yeah, that was a terrific idea. I mean, there's just so many different things that you, you know, could do with that, you know, in terms of your books. I mean, that's just a, I feel like it's a, it's an endless resource of, you know, really cool and unique magic system, so. I'm always jealous when people come up with a cool magic system. I feel like mine are pretty boring. So <laughs> you're
1: going to have that's your looking around at like,
0: maybe I'll do pencil magic in the future. <laughs> That'd be
1: awesome. Pencil magic.
0: <laughs> Brandon Sanderson probably already did it, but yeah, that's super cool. So I just was curious. You um, had a couple of notes from when I'd seen that on Goodreads. Um, so, but if this gives anything away for the books, feel free to just, tell us we have to read it um can anybody use origami magic or does it have to be like a specific person or is it something that anybody can learn or
1: yeah it's you have to be a specific person and gotcha. the fact that only certain people can use uh, this origami magic is has one certain character is very very angry about that
0: mm. I would be like I'm angry that I can't like when anytime in school when the kids are doing origami I'm just angry that I can't make anything like look good (laughs) I think I did like one frog one time and maybe one swan ever that looked good but my friends did one for their wedding and we all went over to help them and my friend she goes you're not touching this paper it's too
1: um, too
0: expensive so I, I was the one I was like getting pizzas and stuff you know I just yeah. Not very good at it. I'm pretty nimble and dexterous, but not with origami. So I bought that that immediately. I was like, oh, that's really cool. Cause, Cause I can't do that. So I think that that adds, you know, to the allure, you know, of the magic system for me just in general, but that's super cool. Uh, is that the only type of magic that you have, or did you have any other, uh, I know some people, um, maybe have added, uh, another magic system for, you know, book two, or, you know, maybe there's had been mentioned in Book One of other magic out there. Are you thinking of expanding on your magic systems at all, or or just keeping it to the origami?
1: It is um, just the origami. There's two facets to the origami in that okay. um, there are people. You can use the origami to make weapons and etc. But also there are, there's something called a shikigami, which are creatures made out of paper, and they bond to the people who can use uh, origami magic. And they're basically like magical familiars. Um, so uh, if you think uh, his dark materials, the demons and that, it's sort of like that where yeah. there's a bond there, but it's a very one-sided bond in which the creatures can't disobey their masters. Mm.
0: Wow, that's super cool. <laughs> that is really neat my pencil magic system is looking really, really weak right now. So I'll have to work <laughs> on it. I did have a friend. He did. Um, speaking of like Asian, uh, like history and culture, like um, we had taken a class together in college and I took a period. And then he got really into like uh, calligraphy and he ended up actually making that his magic system, which I thought was pretty cool. So, you know, he had somebody with an ink pot, you know, and, like those were the only spell components they needed Uh, and then they would go and then they would literally dip the brush right and then they would write the um um you know the letters in the air and then they if you did it right and then said the word or whatever I was like oh that is really cool (laughs) so I know that that was that was really neat and I was like I can't do that one because that was his idea and it was really cool but all right well um, for that last question there. So do you have any promos, news, updates, or any current projects that you can share with us?
1: Um, so book one is out. Um, so go, go buy book one. Um, the Kindle has just also dropped as well as the audio oh, book version. Um, and the audiobook version is uh, narrated by someone called Susan Mamoko Hingley and she's a native speaker so she's got all the uh, pronunciations correct which is great and so the audiobook is fantastic I really recommend it that's cool but otherwise please look out for book two coming soon
0: I'm really excited for the kindle because I had to put it on my wish list so for so I actually just realized the other day I, I hit it when we went on vacation just in case somebody broke into my house and now I forgot what I, where I put it, but I'm sure it's okay. sitting in there on my wish list saying, "Hey, this is active now, so that's really exciting. We have to go and do that first thing today. That's awesome. Well, and I really want to thank you for coming today. I was really excited that we could connect on Twitter. Twitter and TikTok are like how it might kind of go fishing for authors on there. So I was really excited to see your book and to read about it. So I'm really excited to read it. Um, and like I said, I'm gonna definitely get a paper copy. Uh, for my classroom so I hope that you know we can get some younger readers involved um, you know at least in my area for you uh, which I think will be cool. I always like to also read a book and then talk about it with them just (laughs) makes it more fun and more real. Um, But yeah I'm really excited to hear about book two. Um, Can't wait to see what you do with your origami magic. That's one of the cooler ideas that I've heard uh, within the last couple of months in particular. I've talked to a lot of authors and I'm very jealous that you came up with that idea. So I mean, you got my mind whirling and I've been looking at everyday things, I would say in a different way. So you never know, maybe you'll be my inspiration for coming up for, you know, a cool magic system. We can only hope my readers are like, please, please, please. Um, <laughs> I want to make sure we just remind the audience, um, you know, you can find uh, Anne's Uh, all of her social links in the description again you can find this on youtube spotify rss.com make sure you go ahead and click on her socials please go buy her books i need her to sell a lot so that she can keep writing and give me more cool things like origami magic um but and again you know i i wish you good luck for you know for book one um again i'm really jealous of that cover um open my my cover guy actually showed it to him the other day i was like this is A really cool one. Um, I have yours and maybe like four others that we're kind of perusing to look at different styles and stuff. So, um, but yeah, I I wish you you know luck with book one. I hope you do amazing, and you know book two. I hope you know you guys find a good title for it and do just as well with that one.
1: Thank you so much, and thank you for having
0: me on. Yeah, yeah. Anytime you want to come by and you know talk about writing or you know, you want you guys, you know, get that title and, you know, you want to you know, get out there once book two is ready, you know, we want people to keep coming back and, you know, using this as a source to, you know, to get their news updates, uh, you know, uh, things like that out there. So anytime you want to come back, you just get a hold of me on Twitter, my friend, and we will set it up for you.
1: Great. Thank you so much.
0: Not a problem. You have a great rest of the day
1: and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. You too. Thanks. Bye. Thank you.